Good evening. Boy, y'all are a pretty group tonight. I mean, you're, you look plum good, you know, you really do. Uh, I'm, I'm up here tonight, I guess maybe it's because I'm short and they can see me better, can't they, Rich? And if I'm up here, you know, I'm not hiding way up there. So, But uh, tonight, I'd like to, first of all, ask you to turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to be beginning in verse 3. We're going to be looking at the Beatitudes for the next three times. Sorry, three times a charm. If I don't get it right, three times I'm going to quit, okay? so, But the Beatitudes, they're very, very wonderful. And I, I just, you know, I, I thank God for this church. I, I mean, I love you guys. Uh, and you're just precious in, in, to me and in, in, in the sight of the Lord and and I will say this, that I, I'll say it over and over again when I get the chance, that I thank God for the ministers in this church. I mean, just, uh, of course, the pastor that we have, God has so anointed him and blessed us with him. And, you know, just to hear, uh, there is not a lick of, that's just a wee, a wee bit, a smidgen, you know, not a lick of competition with any of us. It's just we're brothers in Christ, and but I'm the only one who has an accent, okay, uh, among y'all. So, But uh, I, don't, I don't know, James, you're from West Virginia. You should have a, more of a West Virginia accent. That's just what I think, you know. <laughs> but it, it's just good to be with these brothers and, and share together and, and, and undergird our pastor. And so thank you for being here tonight to, to hear what God has to say. Let me just share this, and I want to have a brief prayer. This, these things called the Beatitude, there, there are eight of them. And I'm going to cover at least two tonight. I may get three. But if I look at the clock says, I don't think so, then I won't do that. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. This is, this is a section in which the Beatitudes are located. And actually, when you look at the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew is divided up into five major sections. And this is really the first one. And he's speaking to his disciples here. Uh, he's not really talking to a, a bunch of people who are, you know, the down-and-out, lost, unsaved, pagan people. He really teaches us as disciples how to live. And there's a, we talked about this yesterday in prayer meeting, there's a direct connection between obedience and blessings. Amen? There is a direct connection between that. So he says, now here's some instructions here, and I'm going to share with you. And you, as members of the kingdom of God, these are the characteristics of how you ought to be in your life. These are attitudes. You know, people say B, B, E, and a attitude. Have these kind of attitudes. Uh, as Christians, and um, when we do that, God will bless us, he will reward us, when he, so as we think about that, in these instructions, and in these guidelines, let's go to the Lord in prayer as we seek him, okay? Father, thank you for the Beatitudes, as they have been called, Father, these are our instructions, Father, to follow you, and as well as the whole Sermon on the Mount is, Lord, and I ask God that you would just take this section of the scripture and lord teach us that we how to be blessed father and how to be people who live like kingdom people in jesus name amen beatitudes 
When we say beatitude, it, it does, it means a happy condition, it does. If you do these things, you know, you'll be blessed. It's like Daddy said, Jakey, if you do this, man, this going to be great. I'll bless you. But if you don't, I'll bless you. You know, it's, it's a difference, you know what I'm saying, you know. Uh, the, 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 the loud bless was, you know, you know what that means. So I'd rather have the blessings from God than God saying, uh, that's not cool. So here in the Sermon on the Mount, what this does it's more than being happy. It's a divine satisfaction is what it is. We are blessed. And the Beatitudes here deal with really four attitudes when you look all the way through them. Our attitude toward uh, ourselves, our attitude toward sin, our attitude toward God, and our attitude toward the world. So that's kind of filtered all the way through here. But let's look at the first Beatitude. It says this in verse 3. And he, or that is, or verse 2, let me start with that. And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, by the way, was Jesus a pretty good teacher? He is a master teacher. If he is the best, then we need to follow the best. Amen? He says, blessed, verse 3, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he says, you are satisfied, you are acting like a kingdom of God person, you are blessed if you are poor in spirit. Now, when I first read that, uh, many years ago, I thought, well, Lord, what are you, poor in spirit? Because I, I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself in the first place. Lord, do you want me to get worse? At that time, I said, do you want me to get worser? You know, I, I've grown, I've gotten really smart now, I'm about to say worse, you know. I have gooder English now than I'm saying. So he says this. You're blessed if you're poor in spirit. It doesn't mean that if you think of yourself as uh, have no worth at all, no value, I'm a nothing. Well, I've said that of myself. But, you know, God doesn't like to hear that kind of stuff. Listen, God doesn't create junk, does he? God don't make no junk. You know, you heard that years ago. So, God, I'm not worth anything. I'm not worth a plug nickel. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I have no value. I'm just nothing, Lord. Well, spiritually, maybe speaking, I have nothing to offer God, yes. But God wants us to see ourselves as creations of God that he can use. But we need to be in a position where he can use us. And that might, that means having the right type of attitude. And this attitude is, have an attitude of being poor in spirit. It doesn't mean or good for nothing. That's a, no, no, no. It doesn't mean I'm I'm gutless or I'm backward or I'm lacking vitality. It, it, God doesn't want to see us like that. Confession. I have had issues in my life. I've cut myself down so many times, and even and I shouldn't have. When I make mistakes, oh, I mean, it ain't worth a nickel. My wife will say. You may not have a nickel, Jakey, but you're worth more than a nickel. You know, that's good. Because she knows our bank account. It's more than a nickel. Fifteen cents, maybe. But but what it's saying here, poor in spirit, it uses the word poverty. Spiritually speaking, I am in poverty without Jesus Christ. And that's what it's saying. So as a kingdom people... We need to be, Sarah says, as we're nothing without Jesus and to serve him. Now, he's talking, you know, you remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees? I know all these laws, and I know all these things, and I'm so good, and I, 
I do this washing inside and out, and I say my prayers, and, and I give a lot of money. Watch this, baby. Oh, well, those aren't the words of Jesus, but you know, that's the kind of attitude that we do not ever need to be. Poverty here, it means that we are not self-sufficient. A pet peeve here, a pet peeve here. This guy has been around. I'm not the perfect person, you know that, and I know that. But I have been around some of the most arrogant preachers. I never want to see them because it makes me regurgitate spiritually. Have you ever seen that? And it's nothing I feel, oh, I feel, you know, not worthy of him. Look, nobody has a right to say, look how great I am in the eyes of Jesus. Jesus wants people who are poor in spirit, who are totally dependent on him. We talked about saying about grace tonight, amen. Grace, grace, God's grace. He delivered us from sin. He's, by his grace, he's guiding us now. And in the future, his grace continues because of what he did. Oh, does he want to use our actions and our, edit, and our uh, service and our talents and all that kind of thing? Yes. But where do we get those? Him. He gets the credit. So we can are not to live as if we're self-sufficient. And I, I wrote, read this. Someone wrote this. It said, this should be translated, Blessed are those who are so desperately poor in their spiritual resources that they realize they must have help from God Almighty to them is the kingdom of heaven. So it's all up to God. And I tell you what, it excites me. It excites me to see people use. I've seen people, you, you think that they, they're just, they're so quiet. And you get on that and sharing Jesus Christ with somebody, and you think, what in the world happened? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. I mean, it was a spiritual transformation. I have seen people so quiet in other places, and they'll go out, and I can't even touch that person they're leading to Christ. Glory to God. That's being poor in spirit and looking to God for the power. So poor in spirit, we do not have anything within ourselves to commend ourselves to God, do we? That's what this is saying, and that's a good thing. Remember, again, uh, I've quoted this Charles Stanley a thousand years ago. Well, maybe about 30. He said this. He said, when we come to the place, when we come to the place where we're totally helpless and have nothing to offer, that's the beginning of being successful for God, something that be. Lord, use my talents, whatever I have. Lord, use those spiritual gifts. They're yours, and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. But, Father... I'm at your mercy. Lord, give me the power to do your will for your glory. Basically, this is saying we are bankrupt, bankrupt in our souls. But guess what? Because he became poor, what do we become? Rich. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. You know, we have no personal righteousness to offer to him to get into heaven. But he says, your reward is... He says, the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a, that's a subject which goes a long way, covers a lot of territory. We are in God's kingdom as his subjects. He is the king, and that is a reward for us. Because we are in his kingdom, he's blessed us with his righteousness. He, it tells us in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21, it says, he became unrighteousness, that we might become the righteousness of God. Why is that? 
because we are spiritually spiritually bankrupt. We've given ourselves to God. I can't save myself, and neither can you. But when we come to him and say, Lord, you do it. And Lord, now use me. Now use me. The person said this, in giving up our own kingdom, our own selfish kingdom, in giving up our own kingdom, the poor in spirit obtain and inherit God's kingdom. So as kingdom people, this is basically saying, we are in the king's army. It's saying that it's by your power, it's by your leadership, it's by your, who you are, Father, that we can march forth even unto death, if it, if it means that, even unto death. So I'm glad to be poor in spirit, and I think you are. Well, I know you are, because he is everything to us. Oh, my goodness, I'm getting old now. I'm thinking of back in that when I used to be in younger. We sang, he's everything to me. Did you ever sing that chorus? I know you are. Y'all are about the same age. Uh, but, and we sing that around the campfires. We sing it at college. It was so cool, and it was. But I, when I, every time I sang it, I thought, Lord, are you really everything to me? If you are, why am I not giving myself everything of myself to you? We're poor in spirit. And it's a good place to be when we're poor in spirit. Amen? He says, I'll bless you. And then the second one says, verse uh, 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Some people think, and I have, I've used this quite a bit when I deal with people who have lost loved ones, and it is applicable. It really is. If we're mourning, listen, God will comfort. I know that. I've experienced that. I've watched people as a hospice chaplain. I thank God that he's there when people are mourning. He is with them. And, and, and you know, even people say, well, that's the death of a human being. That's a terrible thing. But guys, what about divorce? Is that not death? Is that not death? It's a death of a significant relationship. And do you know how many people in my ministry I've had to share, you know, look, God is with you. He is going to comfort you. You talk about mourning. These people were mourning. I remember meeting a guy, uh, this has been five or six years ago, and he said, my wife left me all those years ago. He was a pastor. And he tried everything he could, and I won't get into all the story. But then he said, you know, finally after these years, actually it had been nine years since he was able to pastor because of the taboo of, you know, you, you know, she, she left you, she divorced you, and is against everything you believe, and therefore you can't be a preacher. Who called a man a God? God. So, and I was there, I was crying with him. He said, because he had gotten remarried about a year and a half before then, he said, praise God. He says, I'm coming to get some stuff in this Baptist book or the Lifeway bookstore at the time. He said, my first Sunday is tomorrow at this new church. I said, glory to God, glory to God. His morning was turned into joy. So, and only uh, that's two types of death. I mean, you know, you can, there are several types of death, but that's one that we overlook a lot of times, okay? And we need to minister to these folks. 
and I was ministering the best I could to him. But here, when we talk about blessed are those who mourn, let's look at it as, as an attitude toward sin. Sin, S-I-N, one syllable. I say to sin, sin, right? So it's an, when we look at sin, it means, you know, if we mourn over sin, that's what he's saying. If I come to God and I'm poor in spirit, I have nothing to offer him, and then I look at my sinful life and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't have anything to offer you. I want to come to you. I want to be saved, and I want to live for you. But, Father, when I sin, it hinders me. It's keeping me from Jesus. It's keeping me from serving you. We I need to serve you, Lord. I mourn over that. And I'm going to tell you, I'll be the first to confess, there are sins I've done that I knew I shouldn't have done, and it's hindered my service to God. Disobedience is a curse, I'm telling you. And I'm guilty, and I think probably most of us are. Lord, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew I shouldn't have had that thought against him or her or something like that. Or, and, and, and sometimes we can get... Um, righteous indignation is a good thing. It's a good thing. Like Jesus took that stand. But you know, I have been righteous, or had righteous indignation. And then guess what? When I held on that long enough, it became egotistical in indignation. Because I held on my anger, I said, no, let me use John Doe here, where he did this and this. Lord, it was wrong that he did that. A couple days later, I said again, it was wrong that he did that, and I confronted him. Didn't I? Now, my sin became egotistical, or my righteous indignation. You see, that caused me to mourn. I said, oh, Lord, why am I not being effective? Why did I feel your intimacy with me, Lord? Why? Because sin is keeping me I'm being as effective as I should be for God. So we should mourn over sin. When we look at our sinfulness against before God, if we if our sin doesn't make us mourn, I'd do a double check, wouldn't you? And that's not being judgment, I'm just saying. But now, to be mournful, how am I to be mournful? It doesn't mean, okay, I'm, I'm mourning over something. Um, I'm to be downtrodden and downhearted. I'm depressed and all that stuff. I'm the self-pity. I'm crying all the time. And Eeyore. Poor, has he ever gotten any, any more happy? You know, that poor little fluffy-eared, long-eared donkey poor thing? I think, I don't want to be like him. I'm so sorry for my sin. And God said, if you confess, if you confess, I'll forgive you and I'll cleanse you, you know, on and on. Yes, we can be mournful over sin, but let's give it to God and get over it and get on with it. So to be born, to have mourning, it it, it pleases God. But you see, when he forgives us, this really is talking about spiritual sorrow, which leads to repentance. Godly sorrow, which leads to repentance. The Bible talks about that. And it leads us, this kind of sorrow or this mourning leads us to uh, uh, acknowledge our sins unto God. And Lord, because I'm confessing these to you, you're going to bless me when you forgive me of those sins, Lord. And then my mourning is over. Get on with it. Do you have any people, I've been, even in hospice, I, 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 oh my goodness, this lady. She just died last week. Broke my heart. This month, I maybe this week or maybe it's next week, she was going to turn 99. She was my girlfriend. 
And but she just, I would talk to her and encourage her every time. And she says, but I don't deserve God. I said, have you given your sins to God? Oh, I did that over and over and over. I, many years ago, are you saved? Do you know, gee, you know, I went through the uh, thing with her. And, but she was still mourning over the fact that she didn't know whether she was really forgiven. I can't live like that. Give her mourning to God. God takes it. Wants to say about our sins, separate as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, darling. You're good. You read my mind. That is so dangerous. Uh, so it's gone. It's over. But it, will it happen? Will we sin again? Uh, probably so. That's all we need to keep in touch with God. I would say this. When you open that eye on, on, on whatever morning it is, before you touch your toe on the ground, be talking to Jesus. Really. Sometimes I can't understand what I'm saying. I guess he understands. You know, but he knows what I mean. So begin your first thought with God and just give it to him and say, God, let's do this together. It says this. It says, we will be comforted. Comfort. What is the name is given to the Holy Spirit? The Comforter. And we carry over the Greek and we say the paraclete. You know, we heard that. This comes from the word, this is my fifth Greek word I know, okay? Or sixth. Parakletas. Which comes from the word parakleteo, which means to call beside. The Holy Spirit is one who when we sin, or he, he's, <clears throat> as a comforter, he just doesn't make us feel, feel good, but he comes beside us, and he confirms that we're forgiven, and when he does that, he promises us God's forgiveness and God's blessing. The Holy Spirit comforts us as we're forgiven, and when I'm mourning, I need his comfort. Isn't it good to know God forgives sins, and he puts us on a brand new path? Blessed are those who are mournful. They, you know, God was. It's, it's going to comfort us. Our ashes are going to be turned to a beautiful garment. I mean, it's it, it, it just God turns our mourning into dancing. Amen. I got a book by that, and every time I do it, every time I look at that book and, and look through it, I kind of, kind of, I can look it through. You don't want to see me dancing. It ain't pretty, okay? But. Uh, but I, I get a little dance, a little, little high step in my right and left uh, knees, you know. And uh, and then I listen to Ron Canoli. Who, y'all know Ron Canoli? Oh, I love you. He's my favorite in the world. That man back there gave me a CD about a year and a half ago. I worn the thing out. And he talked, he sings a song about this, you know. Uh, and, and, and every time he does it, and I have that video and you know, he starts dancing, you know. He's, oh, I just think it's great, you know, that God forgives us. He comforts us. And he takes our mourning and gives us a song, a new song, brother. God takes our mourning over sin and says, I forgive you. I've come beside you. Get on with life. And life is not worth just wasting, is it? It's worth living for Jesus. Let's look at one more beatitude. Let's look at verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Now, what is the first thing you think about when you hear the word meek? Oh, my. That guy, he is a real milk toast, you know. He's a real, he just, he's afraid of his own shadow. That's meek. If you say, hello, a little bit too loud, he goes, oh, no. Now, I don't, I don't, I shouldn't even mention Back to the Future, the movie that came out 100 years ago. But you know, little Mr. McFly, you know, how he was. And, oh, he just, you know, this guy would just bully him and everything. That's what I used to think of as meek. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus said, you are blessed if you're meek. He didn't say you're blessed if you're a coward, did he? Do we have the Holy Spirit within us? We have strength. We have divine strength. We have godly strength. We have supernatural power. That is not meek. So we have a misconception of it. Now, let me tell you what this word does not mean. The word meek here doesn't mean we're weak. It doesn't mean we're wishy-washy. It doesn't mean we're timid. It doesn't mean we're a coward. It doesn't mean we're unsure of ourselves. It doesn't mean I'm Mr. Nice Guy. No. It doesn't mean we're, we're spineless. It doesn't mean we're willing to do what? We're such peacemakers that at any cost we'll make sure there's peace. It doesn't mean that we have a lack of confidence. It doesn't mean that anything like that. He's not saying that. Is, that, is it a blessing to be a coward? Oh, you need to read the book. I was telling Dominic about uh, Chase a Lion. Chase a Lion by Mark Batterson. Read it. It's good. It gave me great courage. But what is, what is meekness? Meekness is basically strength under control. Strength under control. In those days, that they, they use it in reference like as a big, strong stallion, you know, just strength, just, I mean, just crazy and wild and out of control. It's taking that stallion who still has his physical strength and getting him under the master's control. That's what meekness is. It is power under control. So you can take the wildest, biggest, baddest dude, I mean, he can with 15 men with his little finger, and you can get that boy saved. He still has his strength, doesn't he? But he has his strength under God's control. Some people have the largest ego that you'll ever find, and it's wild and it's selfish, and it goes on and on. God can take that and control it. You see, strength under control. I read this, somebody said this. Meekness says, I will never defend myself, but I will die defending God. Now, that is meekness. That's strength under control. And if we have the right kind of attitude, uh, well, let me, let me back up. Some of the Carmichaels, where I came from, not only were them on the other side of my group wild and crazy, but I'm going to tell you this. Some of the Carmichaels are so proud, so proud, it, it would make you sick. And I rebelled against that. I mean, I mean, I, we all got some pride, but I thought, I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be some egotist, you know. I'm a bad dude. 
I'm a Carmichael. You know, there's a street, by the way, in Liberty, Kentucky called Carmichael Street. I am something. There's also a subdivision there named Carmichael Subdivision. I'm important. My grandfather was mayor for two or three terms in Liberty, Kentucky. I'm proud. Of course, Liberty, Kentucky is 1,500 people. You've got to understand something. I'm thinking, no, but now it, a lot of that's changed. Pride is not a part of the kingdom of God. To be meek is a part of the kingdom of God. But I've seen people taken from their high horse, and I hate to see it. What was it? Um, I guess Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, oh, my. Oh, my. I believe some people, honestly, have gotten their pride so much in the God's plan that their actions and attitude have come between what God wanted to accomplish to a church or even a pastor, God took them out. And I can prove that to you. Leon Kilbreth. I don't even know who Leon Kilbreth. He was called Mr. Sunday School years ago. But he said this. He said, up here is God. He had it drawn on the board. Up here is God. Right here is a true, committed, loyal pastor. He said, if God is here, up here, and the pastor's right here, there's a group of leaders in the church, whoever they may be, come between God and the pastor. And this group of people were keeping God's, or hindering God's will in that church. And I know the situation. <laughs> it's out in the west, western part of the United States. And God got tired of that junk. And Leon Kirba said, God took, within a few months, he took three of them out. I mean, their heart wasn't beating. God took them, literally took them out. So I think, you know, when I do something, even as, as, as a, a minister or whatever, I do not want to get between God and what he wants done. So when I'm doing something, even when I speak, I do not want to get in God's way. He'll take away blessings, won't he? So, and of course, I mean, thank God that we have such a bond and unity here. We have a man of God in this church, and we have the leaders in this church look to him as one who hears from God, and we follow the leadership. As we follow our pastor's leadership, we're following the Almighty God. Amen? So, what I'm saying is, when we're, people are meek, submit to God, but it doesn't mean we're weak. Weak, or meek is not weak, okay? Weak is submission to the power above all powers. So he said, okay, that's what the way you are. So our attitude toward God, if it's right, our attitude toward ourselves, if it's right, our attitude toward the Word of God, our attitude toward one another, our attitude toward God's will, and even the unsaved. If we give Christ first place, we're being meek. And that's what God wants. He says, I will bless you. I will bless you. Dr. Mitzi would probably have my head if she heard me say this. And she knows I love her. And I look forward to my kiss on her forehead every Sunday. Is she not a meek, humble person? Do you know how smart that woman is? Do you know how many thousands of people she's directly or indirectly affected already and equipped to serve God? 
she is the sweetest, and she's always been that way. I've known her for several years. A meek woman, but a very, very, very strong woman. She shoot me if I told you she has like four or five doctor's degrees. I forget what she did. I thought, huh. I've known some people who had several doctor's degrees, and I mean, they couldn't even be low enough to walk on the ground, you know. See, you know, God doesn't like that. That's not meekness. You see, meekness is having the strength that God has given us, either naturally or, or supernaturally, submitted to Him, not seeking to take credit. Who gets the credit for this? The Lord God Almighty. He says, "You're blessed. You're blessed." He says, "You shall inherit the earth." There's a lot I could say about that, but let me just say this: the Bible promises us, and you, talks about, you know, the as the end times come. Uh, Fancy word is what, Dominic? Eschatology. Oh, I know another word, don't I? But it, uh, basically, when we look at, he, he promises us a new heaven and a new earth, doesn't he? That's the kind of people who are going to be rulers in the millennium, the kind of people, I mean, in, in the, God's kind of people. People who gave themselves to God as, in all their strength and whatever they had and their meekness and gave him <clears throat> the credit and the glory. And we're going to rule in that domain with him. And, and you know, we're, we are kingdom people, aren't we? We are the people who belong to the kingdom, so let's always act like the people of the kingdom. You know, <clears throat> I love it when we can sing unto the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and I love it, of course, this past Sunday. I'm sure glad we did this twice. Or y'all did that twice. I mean, it... I couldn't get enough the first time, you know. And it's just singing praises unto God and have the victories that God uh, had. And the talented people you saw up here, I never saw them. I saw Jesus. As they submitted their talents, their voices, their, their, their souls unto God. And so when we sing, remember, we're praising the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the one who's brought us into his kingdom because we're poor in spirit, because we mourned over sin, and because we've submitted ourselves to him. Whatever strength we have all belongs to him. All belongs to Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to be blessed, don't you? And as I'm blessed, one day we'll see him. We'll see him. And lay our crowns at his feet. Yes, as that song goes, you know, and I'm about to wind up in a couple of minutes. Yes, I want to see Moses. Yes, I want to see Elijah. I, I want to see my mama. I want to see Karis, my daughter. Bobby, I want to see your boy. I want to see him. I want to see my pop. On and on. My brothers and sisters, when we see Jesus, what can we do? He said, I'm going to bless you. He blesses us now. He'll bless us eternally. Praise be his name. Let's pray. Father, thank